Hey, 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 folks. I'm here just popping in on the front end, have an announcement for you. Then, of course, want to introduce you to today's incredible guest, which I'm so pumped about. So, first of all, we are launching the Soul Driven Collective this Saturday. Make sure that you're on the email list so that you'll get the link directly to your email box and or check out any of our social channels to get those links as well once they go live. For a limited time, you will be able to partake in the Founders Members Special. So we will have $1, $3, and $5 monthly tiers from which to choose from. And I have to say, I'm so excited about this because first of all, community, community. I've been wanting to create community for so long and it's not on social media. So that's wonderful, right? Um, but you'll have the opportunity to join in live for the monthly Akashic readings before anyone else gets a hold of them. You'll have the opportunity to jump in on live sessions with guests on the podcast and ask them questions and interact with them. There's going to be so much goodness. I literally can't wait. So stay tuned this Saturday coming at you. Very excited. In addition, in addition, this podcast is not free. It takes a lot of time and effort. I spend money on editing, all kinds of things. So if you've just been enjoying this podcast and you want to help support it, that's a wonderful way to do it. Okay. Today's guest Ashley Stinson. I can't even explain how excited I am to introduce you to her. She is amazing. I've been wanting to have her on the podcast since last fall. She's been doing all the things. So she just kind of recently had some time to sit down with us, which I was so thankful for. But suffice it to say that very few people impress me. And I don't say that because I'm like cool or snobby or any of those things. It's just that I think people are pretty amazing. So when I meet an individual who actually impresses me, well, I kind of want to introduce them to everyone. <laughs> um, but let me jump in here with her bio. Ashley is the creatress of Energy Archaeology and the Realms of Embodiment, a framework for embodied awareness and self-healing that guides you into the inherent wisdom in your bones, muscles, fluid body, organs, nervous system, and DNA. She is a teacher, mentor, and guide for embodied wisdom, energetic anatomy, and living a soul-aligned life within the context of your everyday. Ashley will encourage you to explore the depth and breadth of your human experience through her innate gift to find patterns in what's said, unsaid, seen, and unseen. She uses this in her work to guide you out of your head and into your body through embodied meditation, energy work, and the soon-to-be-released Energy Archaeology Oracle deck. Personally, I can't wait for this deck. Um, she's actually taking pre-orders right now, so all the links will be in the show notes. Definitely check her out. Her cars are gorgeous. I'm ordering. Okay, let's do it. Enjoy, enjoy. Welcome to the Soul Driven Podcast. I believe that when we invest in ourselves, the world benefits. If you are searching for meaning and purpose, if you are unsure about how to combine the spiritual with the everyday, if you are ready to uncover who you truly are, then you've come to the right place. The Soul Driven Podcast is dedicated to exploring the intersection of living a soulful and spiritual life in a driven and ambitious world. 
Join me for practical guidance, truthful discussions, and interviews with people who are successfully living a soul-driven life. My name is Anna Hendricks, spiritual guide, marketer, and your host. Thank you for being here. Welcome back, and thank you for joining us for another Soul Driven interview. Today, I'm excited to introduce you to Ashley Stinson, a creatress of energy archaeology and the realms of embodiment. Welcome to the show, Ashley. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here and talk with you today. I know. I'm so excited to talk with you. We kept having to like, like stop ourselves and like <laughs> kind of get down to business of the actual recording. <laughs> There's going to be a lot that we're going to talk about today. Um, but thank you so much for sharing your time with us. Um, so just a little bit of background on Miss Ashley. I came across her, gosh, I think it was last year, 2020, um, through social media. I don't, I, I was really intrigued with the idea of energy archaeology and signed up and like had your, did your uh, meditations for a while. And I've just, I've been blown away with what it is you do. I've never seen anyone who really works with like embodiment from the level of like bones. And so I'm so pumped to jump into this conversation. Um, the first place I always start with my guests are, uh, what makes you soul driven? Oh, I think actually the easiest answer to this is probably that I can't not be, <laughs> if that makes any sense. Um, I don't really think that there's like a reason. There's no one thing. There's no like impetus. that's like, you have to follow your soul. It's like this internal thing all the time that is just consistently bringing me back to it. And, you know, you kind of veer off a little bit. I always joke that it's a bit like a, um, bowling alley with the gutter guards, right? Like you veer off a little bit and it's like, nope, right back to soul, <laughs> right back to center, right back to what it is that you're supposed to be doing. Even if it's only what I'm supposed to be doing right now, you know, it's always that, um, that alignment and, and knowingness. And, and I, to me, it's almost like a, like a bubbling forth, right? I can't not do it. That's, that's like the soul driven aspect to me. I just can't not. <laughs> right. I try ignoring it and it's like bad things happen, you know, like <laughs> it starts falling apart. <laughs> well, I think that, you know, I mean, I come across a lot of people online and I follow a lot of people and because I've never seen anyone else do what it is you do and present it in such, I feel like a clear and concise way. Mm -hmm. I mean, to me, like you are the embodiment of soul driven, because it's not like, you know, I read the Akashic records and maybe if I'm struggling and can't find the words of how to express it or how to share that message or whatever, I can go like check out what other people are doing that inspires me to kind of, you know, be able to better yeah. articulate what I'm doing. But I feel like my interactions with your, you know, your websites and your content has always felt very authentic, very soul driven. So I think it's, yeah, it, for, for you partic in particular, like it feels like <laughs> I can imagine that you would just be off <laughs> if you weren't <laughs> going that way. Cause there's, again, there's no one else who really does 
what you do. So you've got to follow that soul. Yeah. Is that true? (laughs) And (laughs) using the words that you would be off, that's pretty much it. Um, It is. And because so much of my work is in energetic embodiment in like this really kind of interesting way, it does like, I feel it. I feel it at every level that I'm like something like foundationally is not right. Something is not flowing. Something is like the trust is not there. The timing is off. My connection is off. Like it just feels off if it's not um, flowing through. Yeah. I love that. I think that's really cool. So let's dive into questions because I have a a million and I could even ask you some of off of that and don't want to get totally derailed. Um, so I, I love starting with backgrounds for folks, um, but I feel like your story in particular is very much, very important to where you are today. Um, so if you could just share with us, you know, your birth and how that has like really led you to what it is that you do today. Yeah. It's really interesting to the, um, the evolution I've had with this story because it used to be all consuming, you know, this was like, this was the driver, this was the reason. And as I've kind of evolved into understanding like the bigger reason and the bigger pieces coming together, I understand that it's just like, it's, it's like the spark, you know, like this kind of set me on the path. So I was born, I guess, well, what you would call traumatically. Um, I had a traumatic birth. I was, really set up basically from age zero, the way I was born extremely quickly, um, airlifted to the NICU because I stopped breathing. I, my, I'm going to get a little bit of throat stuff going on there. My heart rate would drop really low and I would stop breathing. And it was what they just called bradycardic spells, which as I've learned actually has to do with the vagus nerve and like polyvagal theory. If anybody understands or knows anything about that it's um it's really like the the regulation of the entire body of like how the body speaks to itself of of how your internal state is set up and so i was starting out from very young age basically with ptsd complex ptsd and just didn't know it that was my reality it was just living in a world that was always framed by seeking safety by fawning, by needing to be the good girl, by needing to not feel abandoned because of that early imprint of being taken away and put in, in the NICU. Um, so I had a huge, massive deconditioning process, which interestingly didn't actually start until after in cosmic joking language, right? Like, of course, something would happen to like re-trigger it. So I understood this wasn't normal, I gave birth to twins when I was 27 in my Saturn return, which as a projector, right? Like that's the, that's the first stop. That's, (laughs) that's the first kind of like rupture that puts you in that next phase, a huge reorganization of things that you need to understand. Um, So I gave birth to my twins and it was again, a traumatic birth. So I was over anesthetized. So anesthesia, basically they gave me too much, had an emergency C-section, And I was numb from basically my nose down. So I could blink, I could see, I could hear, I couldn't talk and I couldn't breathe. Mm -hmm. So once again, like couldn't breathe at my own birth, couldn't breathe at my kid's birth. There was like this 
just full circle moment of being like, I need to deal with this afterwards, you know, cause then it was postpartum PTSD. It was just a layering on of stuff that was happening in my body. And it was really that journey of, I need to deal with this. I need to like, I need to be there for my kids. I need to actually enjoy my life, you know, cause there's just this dullness that happens whenever you're living in a state of trauma, like nothing has joy, nothing had color, nothing had, you know, I look back on it and I don't remember a lot of their first year because I was so in that trauma state that I just have no memory. So it was coming up out of that, that a coworker was like, Hey, try energy healing. And then I was like, Oh my gosh, this is working. I'm really drawn to this. And, you know, the woman that I went to was saying like, you really have a talent for this. And so I started to dive into it. And it was that process that led me to where I am now. It's such a huge story. I can't even imagine like I I've done, um, you know, some regression type stuff and gone back through, like come back through like the birth canal and those kinds of things. And I, I think that it's, it's really fascinating what a large percentage of people are really kind of starting out life with trauma because of, you know, the, the birthing that they went through, you know, that experience, a really good friend of mine, it took him, I think two years to actually come through and like heal his. Yeah. And, um, you know, he was born like prematurely and, and all of this and, um, just went through a lot of things. And I think it's, beyond fascinating that again, you went through that, you know, in such a similar way with your sons. I know like I, whenever I started going to trauma therapy and then went into somatic experiencing with another therapist and was working through all of that and was doing, he said the rebirthing for myself. I worked with someone to like do rebirthing with my kids so that we all had that kind of experience Um, to help unwind their nervous systems from whatever their experience was. You know, I had my experience of birth, but they had their experience of what that birth was. And um, it's just, it was probably four years of working through like both of my experiences and then also unwinding like patterns that had adapted to keep me safe and secure and, you know, feeling like I was able to navigate in like the big loud world because I was very sound sensitive, which actually is part of a trauma response to find out. Um, But everything I had adapted, then I was unwinding, you know, and I was unwinding it from my body through my own work. I always say I'm my first like experiments, you know, like I was doing the trauma work with a therapist and I would come home and then I would be going into like energy mode and I'd be like, okay, where is this in my body? You know? And then I would be going through like my own stuff and kind of unwinding it and healing it in that way too. Wise lady. (laughs) So for those (laughs) who don't know what somatic experiencing is, can you kind of give some background on that for them? Um, from an experience, experiential perspective. Yes. I'm not a practitioner. Yeah. So I'm probably not going to do this justice. Um, but it's, 
it's a methodology where, and the thing is, I don't know if it's always combined with therapy. I went to a woman who was a therapist and a somatic experiencing practitioner, but it's the, the concept of being able to regulate the nervous system by regulating the kidneys, by kind of finding your placement of yourself within your environment. Um, it was like table work. So if anyone has ever like done Reiki or something like that, and like their hands on healing, like it was actually having my kidneys supported so that my body would understand what it felt like to have support. It was having my feet held. So I understood what it felt like to have grounding underneath of me. So did she put her hands on you then? Mm -hmm. It was really just kidneys, feet, head, hands. Um, And so the idea behind it is that you have your trauma point, which is like the zero point, but you don't have to work at the trauma point. So a lot of modalities like uh, EMDR, right? It's retelling or rewriting your trauma narrative over and over and over again. And you're um, like tapping or you're moving your eyes side to side, but it's it's working at the specific event with somatic experiencing. The idea is that you can work from like the negative 100 and the plus 100 and you can heal it from those points and come back without ever actually having to go into the trauma narrative. You unwind it from the body, Um, which is really helpful when dealing with birth trauma, pre-verbal trauma, because I can't tell that story. You know, I don't actually have a verbal like linguistic thing for that that memory. I have a felt experience. It's interesting. It's so fascinating to me. I've definitely heard about like somatic. I don't know if it's like, I don't know the right technical words, but, um, I started learning about somatic therapy or whatever last year. And, um, so it's not, or is maybe somatic experiencing different than somatic therapy? It may be. I'm not positive. I don't know. (laughs) I'm not either because I guess from what I had, what I thought I had learned was that like somatic therapy is where you like go back in and you like go through the event and you like feel like someone works with you to like feel the emotions of it, you know, like Mm -hmm. in a safe space. Because of course the emotions are what actually release it, right? Right. Like in our logical mind is different. Okay. Yeah. It wasn't me like sitting in a chair, like going back into the feeling. It was almost like whenever my nervous system would relax enough, a memory would surface Mm. or a feeling would surface and I would feel safe enough to express it Interesting. or it would feel safe enough to unwind. Yeah. Interesting. I'm going to have to dive into that and do a podcast (laughs) with someone. (laughs) If you know anyone, please introduce me um, because that would be really cool. Um, okay. So you went through therapy, you started working with energy work. They were like, you're awesome. Um, so how did, so what was the next step for you? I, is this kind of about the time when you went through a spiritual awakening or where was that at for you? Um, hmm, that's an interesting term to use. And it's one I actually don't use much, so I was raised Catholic and then just kind of went away from the church. I was just like, I don't really believe the things you believe. Um, (laughs) not in like a judgmental way, but like a, you know, kind of self-awareness, like this is not what I believe. Um, yes, we are all allowed to have our own opinions. (laughs) Exactly. Um, but it wasn't necessarily like the, 
experiences you hear other people having of like, I woke up one night and I was surrounded by something, or I heard a voice telling me, or, you know, like it wasn't anything like that. I really think it was just a gradual re-understanding as I came back to my body, because that's something that I, I don't think I can ever express enough is like, I was literally just not in my body. I had no felt sense of who I was. So anytime I was like taking dance lessons or playing soccer or something like that, it was, it was teaching my body to do moves that I actually wasn't feeling or experiencing. You know, there wasn't that connection to it. And so I feel like whenever I was coming back to that and coming back to who I am and, and what it is actually like to, to have a body and to be in a body, you know, it was kind of like this whole new awareness of the ever expanding macrocosm outside of us and the ever like expanding microcosm inside of us and the fact that they come together, you know, it's just kind of this gradual awakening to, oh my God, like we're amazing. And it's not just a body and it's not just spiritual things are out here and I'm here. Like it was um, an awareness of the fact that everything merges and it merges in us and, and through us. And that was, that was probably the spiritual awakening of, that I had. <laughs> and it's funny because it just sounds so dull because it took like four years, you know, like it was so gradual. It doesn't sound dull at all to me. I mean, I'm, you know, like you're talking about when you're playing soccer and when you were dancing, that was me as a kid. I mean, honestly, it's not just been, you know, except for the last couple of years when I've started like getting into my body and actually feeling my body. And that's, that's huge. That is a spiritual awakening, right? Like every spiritual awakening I feel like is different. It's just like, I think the way that I look at like the term spiritual awakening is just like becoming aware, you know, in whatever sense that is for you. Um, it happens in like a million different ways. Right. But like becoming aware of your body is huge because I think a lot of us, you know, for different reasons, um, are not in our bodies, you know? And What always blew me away was it was like, I'm such an emotional person and I've got so many emotions and yet I feel nothing, (laughs) you know, it's that like Mm -hmm. dichotomy of, so actually starting to get into my body has been huge and I'm still on that path. So I can, I'm just saying, I I feel you. (laughs) I think it's when we just walk forever and that's why whenever I talk to people about the realms of embodiment, we're not all going to be embodied in the same way. You know, we're not all going to feel emotions in the same way or like have a love affair with like what our muscles can do for us in the same way (laughs) as, um, and we're not designed to because that, I mean, in plainest terms, that would be boring, right? Like if we were all designed to experience things the same way, then no one's going to have a different perspective on it. So the fact that we all, come into ourselves in different ways and also understand that we move through these things and we cycle. And some days we're more in the the DNA and the quantum realm because there's something going on up there that we need to bring back down in. And some days we feel really heavy and there's big stuff going on in our bones that we're dealing with foundational level stuff. And then another day we're like understanding what it means to have balance with this new 
stuff and what that feels like in our body and what our heart or anxiety has to say about it or what our digestion has to say about it. There's, there's a million different ways to do it. Well, I think that's why it's so, that's why it's so huge, you know, is because like, I mean, what, what wiser tool do we have in the physical than our body, you know? Yep. There isn't one. I agree. So being able to actually like start paying attention to your body and um, I'm sure that your level of knowing your body just innately because of what you do and what your gift is, you know, is going to be on a completely different level than, than me, you know, per se. But just being able to start listening to your body, I think is huge. Yeah. And it's, it's funny because I, I, <laughs> there's like three different levels at which I feel like I know my body and the one is the felt sense. The other one is like the intellectual sense of like, I want to see the pattern. I want to understand the logic of why I feel this thing. And then I have this realization here or why this thing has pulled me out of balance or like, so there's always a level of like intellectualization going on in my brain of like, oh, hey, I'm feeling this thing in my bone. That means da, da, da. So I actually do have to pull myself back and be like, just feel it. Like, just feel it, <laughs> Ashley. <laughs> well, that's, a, that's a human brain, isn't it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's, it, we never can disconnect from that one fully. So you started doing energy work then. What what kind of energy work were you doing at the onset? Yeah, so the first person I started seeing was a Reiki master. And she has a million different tools that she uses and is trained in. She's an elder in really like the energy work world. Um, and so she has, you know, 50 years of experience in like amassing all of these tools. So technically what I was trained in was Reiki, but by the time we got to my Reiki two training, we were like, "Mm, what you do is not Reiki, you know? And so we were like, we're just going to stop with even like trying to initiate you into this lineage, which as I look back, you know, looking at all of the things having to do with like the Japanese culture and the fact that I'm a white woman, I'm like, I really appreciate the fact that early on she was like, this is not a lineage for you. And like, I recognize it. It's like, "Mm, that's not really my lineage. You know, it's, it's something that's just innately me. Um, But how it came about was she was teaching me this way of seeing energy during that kind of like Reiki to training that was a a body scan. And the very first way she taught me was to build a body of light, you know, to start at the bones and build the bones out of light and then build, it was like the muscles, organs, tissues, and then like to build the skin and then to see like the aura kind of come back like out away from it. And I remember going her and being like, I can't get past the bones. Like I can build the bones. I can see them in great detail. Like I can see what's going on inside. I can see the crystalline structure. I can see the connections. And she's like, whoa, 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 whoa. (laughs) That's way more than I was meaning when I'm saying like build the body, you know? But she's like, let's go in there. Like, let's figure out why it is that you can actually see them with such clarity and such precision. And so the more people I worked with, I just started to see the pattern, which 
is a projector thing, which is my channel of logic. Like I understand all these things in retrospect as to why I really love to see patterns. Um, but I would notice whenever bones were missing, it's because people had done a lot of work in this particular area. And like, they just didn't have like the new kind of like energetic scaffolding to step into yet. So it's like, they were feeling really wobbly in a particular area. I started understanding every time someone talked to me about pelvis stuff, it always had to do with their lineage, especially if it was like left, it was usually mother line, right? was father line or patriarchy stuff. Shoulder blades was always like a story about the inner child, like a memory from when they were really young. And I just started digging and getting super curious and basically put all of the Reiki on hold and was just like, I need to know this, you know, like I need to know why I can basically look at somebody's bones and tell them their story without them having told me anything, you know, and that's how sessions started is I would do this body scan, this bone scan. And I would say, okay, I'm looking at something in your left knee. It's connected up here into your like right hip and then we're going up into your shoulder blades and then it's going up into your occipital bone in your head and this is telling me like it's it's this is the story it's telling me and like your ribs are showing up looking like they're armored with metal so you've like you're overprotecting in this area and like people would just be crying or you know silent like i've never had myself reflected to myself in that sort of way before it's and so, so i just kept going yeah and, the, and you have like, don't you have some, some like drawings of the skeletal system with like armor on them on your website? Did I see that somewhere? Hmm. Are you thinking of the card deck? Maybe. I, I don't, Maybe. I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm just picturing <laughs> it, I guess, in my head while you're talking. Um, okay. So you just kept working with these people. This is, uh, I think it's so fascinating because, you know, I've had energy work done. Um, I am certified in Reiki as well. And I think that like, certainly like the last healing I was doing uh, with a client, you know, it was like going through the body and really seeing around her pelvis area and her hips, you know, and it was, it was like this thing attached to the, the bones, if it were. So yeah. you've like done this enough to where like you kind of know where certain parts of the body are associated with certain, I know like left side of the body is mother and right is father and all my ish is on the left side. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, I, I, when I learned that, I was like, oh my gosh, that was huge. <laughs> that was so cool to learn. So then you, you really started diving deep. And I guess this is a great place to start talking about energy archaeology, right? Yeah. Because this is really what it is. And um, the realms of embodiment, can you explain to us what those are? Sure. So energy archaeology is more like the modality. If I were ever to create a certification or want to like train people in what it is that I do, that would be what you would be trained in because it's just the way that I see experience and like move energy. Um, the realms of embodiment though, are like a much bigger all encompassing piece to it. And so the, the bones themselves are just the foundational realm. They're realm one. It's where we start. And 
obviously there was like a lovely symmetry in I started at realm one, <laughs> I think because I needed to understand it. I needed to know the foundation. And also that's where I was working in myself. When we're doing deep shadow work, trauma healing stuff, we're working in realm one. So it doesn't matter if you're doing it through energy archeology span or if you're doing it in therapy or any other modality, when you're dealing with like shadow work, trauma, any of that healing, you're shifting the energy in your bones. And so it was really just maybe eight months ago, whenever I was doing individual session, well, no, it was before eight months ago. It was probably a year and a half ago. I was doing one-on-one sessions And I was like, all right, now I'm not just seeing bones. Now I'm understanding that there's this connection to muscle. And every time I see that, it has to do with connection to resource. And now I'm seeing like this person, like I'm seeing their organs instead of their bones. What do I need to know about that? And so while I was in sessions, things just continued to build. And it really hit me over this past summer that it was its own form of organization that I was seeing that any time I was dealing with anything in the bones, it was foundational stuff. It was usually inherited stuff that can be realm six quantum stuff also, cause that's DNA. But it was like, it was the deep things that people didn't want to go into. Um, and then whenever we like started exploring and moving up through what I now call the realms of embodiment, the next one was muscle. It's the things that move us, the things that move us internally and that move us in life. So it's our connection to resources. It's our connection to time, energy, relationships, money, ourself, really, because that's a connection that we build also. And it was understanding that like, we're not really doing shadow work at the attachment level or at the connection level for muscles. We're actually doing more of like attachment work in like, if you take it into like the psychology perspective. So are we anxiously attached? Are we avoidantly attached? Are we like having a different relationship with our resources and within our own body? That's not just secure attachment. That doesn't feel safe. That doesn't feel stable. That doesn't feel held. Um, so whenever we get beyond that and we get into realm three, which is fluid and flow, that's where we're really looking at the stuff that's coming from the depths because blood cells originate in the marrow of the bones and it's going to the very surface, like the capillaries of the skin. This is like endo to exo. It's the movement of how we are like bringing stuff up to work with it, how we are balanced, like the micro adjustments that happen in our bodies from like a hormone perspective, a chemical perspective, that's all like the fluid realm, but we have that energetically as well. So if you think about it metaphorically, what are the micro adjustments in your external world that you're relating to? Um, Where is it that you're like overexpressed here and underexpressed here? How are you moving with these things that you're seeing or how are you like digging in, right? Like, and that one's, it's really interesting because we live in a world that's highly imbalanced. That's like highly expressive towards masculine electrical energy, giving, doing, you know, um, really like efforting, hustling, like all of that linear stuff. And we don't really see the other expression in the external world as much. So whenever we're working in realm three, that's when we're usually rebalancing that inside of ourselves. 
And you'll see people do this. You'll see people go way over into the other expression where it's all surrender, not doing anything, (laughs) you know? Um, And and it's finding that kind of middle balance because if we're talking about fluid and flow realm in the body, whenever our hormones go way out of balance like that, like we feel the physical effects of it. Um, People who are actually usually struggling in this realm specifically are having like inflammation issues. They're having like fluid retention issues. They're having hormonal issues. Um, and it's, it's understanding that something in your life, in your energy, in your internal world, like it's all an expression of kind of being out of balance with that. So we go into realm four, which is organ rhythm and emotion. And this one is really just about like trust and timing. And so it's trusting that your organs are doing what job they're supposed to do. And they're not trying to do another organ's job, right? Like the stomach digests, it moves to the small intestine, it moves to the large intestine. <laughs> there's like a rhythm. There's a, there's a set pattern that happens in your body. Everything has a job and everything is like connected up and talking. I mean, through the nervous system, which is the realm above it. You'll notice there's always a link to the realm above. There's always a connection there with how the realm actually works. But people who are working in realm four are typically going to be working on building their trust in their own body to do that and building their trust in the external world. So trusting themselves, trusting their timing, trusting their network, trusting their friends, trusting the resources that they connected to at round two. Like it's, that one is like, I just call it like the trust fall realm, right? Like this is going to be where all of your stuff comes up in your face that you don't actually trust something at the level that you need to, that you're still trying to control it, that you're still trying to like do a job you don't need to do necessarily. Get into realm five. That's the nervous system. Like I said, that one, I mean, this one is... I always just call it your conduit because this one really touches everything, but it's also the conduit of like soul in the body. Like if we're talking about where we're really tapping into like that soul state, that soul embodied state, it's in our nervous system. Um, And whenever we have triggered nervous systems, highly reactive nervous systems, nervous systems that won't come back to regulation because part of their job is being able to have that wave, being able to have that response and go up into a highly activated state or down kind of like below the regulation line and come back. And that's where you have a healthy nervous system, that ability to come back. And that's why even in the beginning of the episode, and I was saying, you know, it's the bowling alley with the gutter guards, (laughs) you know, you're kind of, you're always coming back to this central alignment to this like soul conduit connection in your nervous system. And then it's the DNA and the quantum. And this is the least tangible of all of our realms. We don't really understand what it feels like to be embodied at this level, because usually when people are working at this level, they're disembodied. They don't have the connection through the other ones to be able to like bring it kind of back down and in and to hold it. And so that's where we get a lot of people who are kind of walking around in this like dissociated state that doesn't actually touch the 3D reality that we live in. Um, But it also forms a really interesting kind of like loop where I call it a Mobius strip because you come back around to the other side, but it's not the same side you started on. And like the DNA 
has shifted. It has healed. Something has been resolved at that level that you were carrying and that impacts your bones, that impacts your foundations. And so then you kind of move through again in this wholly different, but entirely the same body where you then go from like the foundational stuff. How does this new foundation connect to my resources? How does this new foundation find flow and balance? How does this new foundation trust? And you kind of continue this journey. Yeah. I was going to ask if it was cyclical, like as you were kind of building it out, it felt that way that it was going in that direction. So when you're so the, like, I just, um, and I feel like you answered this, but I want to ask anyway. So when you're doing healing work, it meets the person where they're at, correct? It doesn't always necessarily mm-hmm. go straight down to the bones. Yes. Yeah, you're absolutely, like, you're on point there because I I actually got stuck for a while because I was wanting to go straight to the bones, right? That's what I had taught myself that I do. That's what I had marketed my, my work as. And people would come in and I'd be like, oh, we're going to be working with your stomach today. Maybe, you know, there's this moment of like, that's not what I came to you for. So I had to start like rethinking about how I talked about it in that energy archeology span is the way I energetically work within these realms, but the realms themselves are kind of where you're at, where I'm meeting you, where we're having this discussion and this, this level of like self awareness and coming back to self. I think it's beautiful. I think it's really cool. And I think it's, awe-inspiring that you like (laughs) you know and create like intuitively brought this together yourself um so as you were crafting this you and I kind of started getting into this conversation before and I was like no we have to wait (laughs) but I would really love to understand a little bit about that creation process you know like how you were able to to pull it in because again, it's, it's not something where like, you know, you can go read a blog about it or, you know what I mean? Um, to kind of yeah. help you understand. I mean, so many times when we're working with energy, energy is ener- energy, obviously, but like, I think for a lot of us, you know, in the everyday, we don't necessarily have the words to articulate what it is that we're doing or learning or seeing or experiencing. And so it is helpful So I'm just, I mean, like my brain's like, you know, blown away that you were able to, to pull these things together and, um, and articulate them so, so fluidly. So um, there's about, there's, there's really two parts to this. The first is that it does honestly feel like part of me shuts off and part, like part of it feels like it's channeled and I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't know where it comes from. There's not a voice. There's not, it's a knowingness that like, especially early on, I would be working with someone's body. And I think it's really important for people to understand this. I am not classically trained. I am not trained in anatomy. I have no background education aside from like undergrad where I would take like vertebrate zoology, right? Like I don't have a physical like anatomy and physiology, um, training. Thank you for pointing that out, by the way. That's, that's very (laughs) helpful for people to know too. So when I was working with people to begin with, I was basically learning the bones and being educated about them at the same time. So I 
would, you know, leave a session and be like, I used the right name for that bone, right? You know, like I was working with one woman one time and I cannot, I will never forget that I was like, okay, we're going to work in your hyoid. And I remember almost like dissociating from myself and looking down for a moment and being like, what is a hyoid? (laughs) I hope that's a thing, you know? (laughs) And, And I Googled it afterwards and it was, and it was exactly what I talked about and exactly what I saw. So I was like, okay. And that was building the trust, you know, like, okay, I'm going to know what I need to know whenever it, whenever it comes, but the language and the words that I use and that come in and really kind of layer on top of this and are how the Oracle deck is, is built and structured is actually what I think is like a form of synesthesia, which I don't, to explain it basically is whenever your senses kind of cross pollinate a bit, your brain works in a little bit of a different way. So most people that talk about this, talk about it in terms of like colors and letters or musical notes and like a smell or something like that. So a lot of people that have it will talk about the alphabet and like A is red and B is green and C is orange or something. But for me, it's always been this immediate knowing that this bone means this thing. Hmm. And it's like, I would know it the first time I saw it or the first time I worked with it. And then after that, in other sessions, it was like building evidence that, yeah, it always does mean that thing. You know, being able to like suspend my own prejudice really and like expectation and go into a session and read it again with fresh eyes and be like, huh, yep, still means inner child, (laughs) you know? and really kind of building up my experience of what the body was through that way. And so what I say is it's almost like parts work. Working with the body to me is like parts work, which is a psychological thing, um, family constellations, where they talk about the parts of meeting the parts of yourself, meeting your inner child, meeting your inner mother, meeting your inner tyrant. Like it's a lot of archetypal stuff, but the bones, and the body to me function a very similar way. So even if you do not believe in energy, if, even if you do not believe that I can see the way like something is flowing in your body or that it looks like there's something like sitting here around your heart or whatever, the fact that you have another avenue to go into it for from like a metaphorical perspective or a parts work perspective still gives you the access to healing that I think a lot of energy work misses Mm. because a lot of energy work, you just suspend disbelief and you're like, okay, I just trust that this, that you're seeing what you say you're seeing. And there's not like another layer of, of tangible something to grasp onto. Yeah. I bet it really strengthens the intention behind it as well. It does. And it really helps. Yeah. It really helps someone walking forward from, a session being like, "Mm, okay, we really worked with, I'm stuck on the inner child today, my inner child. And then they go deeper into it. They now have language and accessibility to that part of their body and an intentionality with their embodiment. So that in the future, when something comes up and they're like, man, my right shoulder is really acting up again. They've got that keyword to hang on to, to be like that. What does my inner child have to say about this? Like, you know, mm. so it kind of builds out your own languaging for your body as well. Yeah, no, I love that. 
And I do think, I mean, it's, you know, because like when you do have energy work done, especially if it's not a laying on of hands, then it's kind of just like, well, do I feel anything? Well, like, you know, (laughs) what's happening? I think I feel something. So being able to actually have that, you know, again, like you and I were talking about before, it's that melding of the spiritual and the practical, you know, when you can do that in body and mind, I think it's so much more powerful to the person because it's like, okay, we're going and we're going to work on my shoulders today, you know, like, so like your brain's there, your, your heart's kind of like you're there. So it's so Mm -hmm. much more powerful. So when you work with people in this way, do you have to be in person with them or can you work like distance? It's all distance. I've, I've, well, I can't say I've never had an in-person session because I work on my sister in person and like I trade with a couple friends and stuff around here, but for the most part, it's always been distance because part of the community that I began to come into my own within that I began to understand more of what this was within was led by a woman in Australia, um, Lauren Aletta of Inner Hue. She had a program for a while that was about intuition and really tapping in and understanding more of like the energetic body. And it was within that group that I was like, can I practice on you guys? Can I have volunteers? You know, like, I don't know what I know. Can like, is somebody willing to just like sign up and let me, let me like look at your bones. (laughs) Um, So all of my clients started with Australians. (laughs) And so it was always remote. Hmm. And I realized it was really good because I'm also very clairsentient. And it took a long time for me to learn when I'm in the room with somebody and I'm doing this in person, I feel a lot. And sometimes feeling that much can get in the way of me explaining or me actually helping them. Cause I have to pause, ask not to feel the thing and then kind of, you know, go back. Um, and when it was distance, I didn't have that problem. It was more visual. It was more of like me looking at a hologram in front of me instead of me feeling their experience. And so it just developed from there and was word of mouth and referrals. And, you know, it finally got to a point where I was like, I've got to quit my job and do this. You know, that's that soul driven part. I can't not, I've got to quit my job and do this. Yeah. How long was it like kind of in until you decided to quit your job? Um, so let's see. From the fall of 2014 is when I really started understanding that I work with energy. And then I didn't actually start doing this as a business until March of 2018. So four years, three and a half years. Yeah. That's awesome. It was, I mean, was it difficult? It was a lot of training between the two as you were learning. (laughs) The difficult part was I also had newborn twins. Um, So yeah, it was working full-time during the, well, it it wasn't always working full-time because I was on maternity leave for part of it when I started understanding this. And then I went back part-time and there was, there was like three years of just this mess of me healing myself, starting to like explore in other people, trying to work during the day and keep all of that stuff straight and also, you know, be a new mom. And so it was, it was just a messy three years. That was my Saturn return. (laughs) 
<laughs> in a nutshell right there. Wow. Wow. I, yeah, you know, I, I mean, I've always thought mothers were like amazing. And then of course, 2020 hit and like, y'all are just for real super women. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I always joke, like, I don't even have a goldfish and I'm struggling. I don't even, it's, it's just this emoji nonstop. That's all I really have to say. <laughs> so, um, I wanted to ask you, I, I've heard from a lot of women, you know, when they get pregnant and they go through that, that their intuitive senses just really like mm-hmm. leap off. Was that, did you experience that? I think that that was part of it. So until I had my kids, I was still in that like very traumatized body experience of like not really being in my body. Um, but I had a lot of dreams whenever I was pregnant. I knew I was having twins before we knew we were having twins. Um, like there was a lot of knowingness, I think that started coming in around that time that I actually started paying attention to. So like, maybe I knew it before, but I was still kind of in like that. And that's not true, you know, but there was, it was like this, I don't know, mother bear instinct that turned on that. I was like, no, I, I know this, like, I know this, um, but I just don't think I had the confidence to even back myself like that before. Yeah. I, I think it's, it's interesting to me. I don't have children obviously, but like, I feel like what I've seen, you know, with so many of my friends and family, it's like, once they have children, their confidence greatly improves. But then I think too, and I don't know, you can speak on this. I'd be curious. It's like also because you're, you have children, like you're forced to be present in a way you've never been before. Mm -hmm. And so you're not in that trance state as much, you know, so you are much more aware of yourself, what's going on and all of those things. So Yeah, there's, it's an interesting, I think, dichotomy that can come up because you're forced to be aware of them and of your surroundings. But I think in a way it's also, you, you kind of, if you're not really consciously working with it, you can gain this ability that that's where all your awareness goes. And you're still very not self-aware Yeah, because it's, it's so easy to still be out of your body and be like, you're present, you're watching them, you're, you know, you're doing all of the mom things, but like, you're not actually here, like inside of yourself. Um, And that was something that I really worked with in somatic experiencing and in in therapy. Cause like you go from having, you know, 27, 28 years of dissociating from yourself to all of a sudden wanting to be present, feeling guilty if you're not present, knowing that there's a different way and that you're not always able to, to be in your body in that way. And I think that's why I tend to have like a very strong compassion for people who have a lifetime of being out of their body and why I tend to not hold any judgment around leaving your body or like that as a safety mechanism or that as a response for you, like a freeze response. Because I worked with embodiment practitioners in the beginning when I was wanting to be in my body. And this was like online courses and stuff where there was a very strong judgment against that. Mm. Like, oh, if you're not in your body all the time, you're not doing it right. And that just made me want to be like, (laughs) 
you, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> like no. there's no right here. I'm trying, you know? <laughs> and it was my therapist who was like, you build trust to be in your body. You build the trust of knowing you can leave and you can come back and that you're not going to leave forever. And you know that we had conversations in our household around that, where I would just be like, look, I need to leave for a bit. And like, that didn't mean going for a walk. That didn't mean whatever that meant. I came and like laid down on my bed and like binge read a book because I just couldn't be present. Like I had to go somewhere else, but then also knowing I'd come back. So I hold like a very deep space in my heart for that journey in and of itself is like just the coming back journey. I think that's so important, you know, for, for everyone to be able to, to take a break, you know, it's just like, that's sanity as far as I'm concerned. I mean, <laughs> I know. you know, in the, the early onslaught of the lockdown, like I consumed Tiger King in the midst of my life. <laughs> that would have never happened, you know, had that had life been regular every day. I would have never watched yeah. that. Um, and, you know, for the first episode anyway, I was thoroughly entertained <laughs> and then horrified. <laughs> um, but I, I feel that, you know, just especially I think with what we've gone through with 2020, I feel like there's, you know, and I've been in these groups where people are talking about, you know, oh, like you got to pull yourself together and all this stuff. And it's like, we really have to be compassionate with ourselves because sometimes we need to check out and read a book or, watch something that we wouldn't watch or like even eat something if that's where we're at. Like we need to stop shaming ourselves for these things, you know, like we're all doing the best that we can. So I love that. In a normal year. And that was not a normal year. No, no, it was not. (laughs) Yeah. I had so many clients over 2020 who would come to me and it was like the beginning of a session was a confessional Mm. about how, they were like binge eating again and how they were doing this and how they were doing that. And like the very first part is just like, it's okay. Like you took care of yourself in that moment, the way you needed to take care of yourself and no binge eating a bag of chips is not what we typically consider taking care of ourselves. Right. But if there's something in us that needs like that, input like that feeling that we get neurochemically from eating that kind of food then you responded to what that neurochemical feeling was that you needed even if you didn't know it or you responded to the inner child who like her favorite day in the world was staying home sick and eating whatever she wanted and like laying on the couch you know like there's Mm. there's always a part of us and and this is why I think the body is so incredibly intelligent and we tend to judge it but it always knows what it's doing. Even if it seems like it's out of place or something's not functioning right or whatever here, whenever I go into the energy, it's always because it's trying to overcompensate for something over here that's like really struggling and needing to be taken care of. And we feel it as something being out of balance because it is, but like our body's trying to take care of it. It's just expressing in a way that's not actually stable or doesn't feel great to us, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was fascinating to me. Like two weeks ago, I was, um, I had just a massive, like very busy schedule. And I was, I planned my weeks on Sundays and I was sitting down and mapping everything out. And it was just like, 
oh my gosh, how am I going to do all of this? And where am I going to put all these things? And like, and I found myself in the kitchen and I found myself eating. And it was, it, it was fascinating to me that like, I was able to see in that moment, it was like, I'm doing this because I'm overwhelmed. And I'm like trying to like ground myself in a way, you know, like to be like, it's okay. It, you know, you're, you're, <laughs> you'll get through it. It's <laughs> safe. Like, you know, and I had never, yeah. I had never been able to, obviously in hindsight before I had noticed those things, but it, mm -hmm. it was like the first time, like in the middle of it where I was like, this is what's happening, you know? And then I was able to like, look at the plantain chips or whatever I was after and just be like, I'm not really into you guys right now. Like this is what I'm actually <laughs> after, you know? Um, and it wasn't, there was like no shame there. There wasn't any of those things, but it was just fascinating to, to correlate that, you know, but I can tell you, um, and certainly over 2020, I mean, like we've, we've just never been here before, like ever. And so, yeah. and so many of us are grasping at straws with like how to take care of ourselves and all the, um, unpredictability of just life in general. So I love that. I love that, uh, that we share this because I think people really need to hear, you know, just again and again, I know you've heard it with your clients. I hear it <laughs> in my head too. Like, you know, we just have to <laughs> continuously be compassionate with each other. Um, so I want to transition a little bit and talk about like your most recent project, which I'm super excited about, um, which is the energy, um, archeology span Oracle deck. And you also yeah. have like a community that you're building out around this and everything. I'm just, I'm, please share. Yeah. I'm so excited. <laughs> um, so it's so funny because this has actually been two and a half years in the making. This is the, like the longest term project I've ever actually worked on. And it's just now ready to like put out into the world, you know? Um, it's done right. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's had a lot of love and time and attention. Um, but like one of the very first things early on when I was doing this work is I remember going into that Facebook group and being like, guys, this is going to be an Oracle deck. And I was like, but maybe in five years, because I don't know enough yet. <laughs> you know, like I'm not there yet. Um, and I think I probably started working on it the next month because it just kept coming through. I kept, I was seeing the images for it. I like the words for the bones were just there and they were present. And so I was like, okay, I know if I illustrate this myself, it's never going to feel good enough, finished enough. Like I know that about me to like, that I fuss with things forever. And for something like a website, that's okay. I can like realign something if I want to, but for something like a print product, that that's gonna be completely just in my way. So I started finding, looking for an illustrator. And in the meantime, I was collaging the decks. I was going on Pinterest and like all these other like imagery places and finding like the bone, the way that I see it in my head and finding the environment that it's in and the background that I see it in and how energy is flowing through it. And how am I gonna express this in, a card and just like creating collages and like rough sketches and stuff. And so when I found an illustrator, then it was like, okay, how fast can we do these? You know, it's because she paints them all digitally. So it's in um, Procreate, which is a digital program. 
but I would just put all that stuff up on Dropbox. She would pull them down. She would paint them, send them back. I'd edit, I'd send it back to her, you know? So it's been this like really beautiful two and a half years of like flowing through creating 48 cards. And a lot of them are like bone groupings because if I did one for every bone, we'd have 206 cards and that's ridiculous. <laughs> so it's like left hand, right hand, left foot, right foot, you know? So it's like the 26 bones of that are, are all together. Um, but it's really the meaning of what it is. And so the cards have the keyword on them for what they are. They've got the art, they've got the keyword. And then like real little under that, they say the like the bone name or the body part. And that's because when I created the book, if you flip through it and you look on the left page, you can flip through alphabetically by keyword. But if you look on the right page on the side, you can flip through and find it by bone. So it's like, you can kind of use this in either way. And it's meant to be used like a regular Oracle deck of like, all right, I'm gonna draw a card. What do I need to pay attention to? What do I need to know about this thing? What, what am I being told? And it's really just this genius way of allowing what we already know and feel inside to be expressed outside. That's, you know, it's really what an Oracle deck is. It just expresses something in front of us so that we can look at it, understand it in a different way, and then reintegrate it. But what I'm hoping comes of this deck is that it's not a tool that we need for like to rely on, that we don't become so interested in outsourcing the information and outsourcing the meaning and like always needing to look it up, but that we actually internalize it, that we take it in, that we embody it. So just like with a session, if I've talked to you about your right shoulder and then you can go away and you can look at that, like if the right shoulder card is stalking you all the time, like you maybe actually need to be having this conversation in a different way. And then also when you're moving through your life, if that comes up and you've worked with that card, you now know, you know, you have this connection in your brain, in your body, and you can take yourself through the process. So like it's an oracle tool and also a way to like learn yourself, learn your body, learn what these pieces of yourself are wanting to say or are wanting to teach you. So it's like, I just love it. <laughs> I could talk about it forever. I, I want to get my hands um, on it very badly. <laughs> I'm excited. Yeah. But the community I'm building around it was um, honestly, it's, it's part of my human design. It's part that's like buried in the variables. Some people are meant to be observed and some people are designed to be observers. I am designed to be observed, but being, are you also? Okay. <laughs> being in like on Instagram doesn't feel great for a projector to just like be putting things out all the time because like the recognition, the invitation, like the observation doesn't feel correct. Like it's there, but it doesn't feel the same as me being observed in an environment, in a container specific for a thing. So I used Notion, which is like a workspace app is probably the best way to describe it. Um, and I built out a wiki, basically. There was like intro information about it. There's some intro videos about this is your Oracle body. This is like basically a extrapolation of what I just talked to you about, like what we use an Oracle deck for, what our body's already telling us. Videos on left-handedness versus right-handedness and how we interpret our body and the cards based on that. And then there's an entry for every single card. 
and you can open it. You can see the progress of the cards. You can watch a time-lapse video. You can look at the card properties, which the bones all relate to an element. That's how they flow. So we have fire bones that transmute. We have earth bones that store and compost things. We have air bones, which are mainly our joints that um, are kind of like more logical. They tend to just like help us say yes or no, this is for us, this isn't for us and get rid of stuff for us. Um, and then we have water bones, which flow, which flow things to us. And so that's how energy actually moves in your skeleton is according to the elemental properties of the bone. And so that's part of the deck is like, what is the elemental property? What, what does it feel like when it's in balance and alignment? What does it feel like when it's out of balance and alignment? What, like, what might you notice? Um, and then the guidebook entries were all being written there. There's a video for every card that's like 10 to 15 minutes of me talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so funny because I will stop a video and I'm like, wow, that was a really passionate explanation of an ischium bone. That's kind of weird, <laughs> Ash, but <laughs> you know, we go with what we know. So, <laughs> so um, yeah, that's all in there. And basically what I've been doing is just inviting people into that container who like want to get their hands on the deck, but it's not available yet. Who want to start learning these things and working with it. Um, and then whenever the deck is available, basically that's going to be a standalone course. So I'm going to take it out of notion at some point, make it into something that you can like purchase and go deeper. So like, if you want to start using the deck with clients or in practice or whatever, and you, like want to watch the video or whatever to like help you understand it more, then all of that stuff is going to be turned into like a course. But this was me just needing to be observed, you know, while I finished the deck, while I, while I wrapped it all up and got it out into the world. I love yeah. it. I love it. I love it. I was, I was looking at all the things that are in, included in the community and like that are available and I was just blown away. When is the, when is the deck supposed to be available for folks? So pre-launch is going to, well, pre-launch, pre-sale is going to start on March 29th, and then it's going to run through May 11th. And basically, if you purchase during that time, you are guaranteed to get a deck. I'm going to place the order. They will be manufactured. They will come to me. I will mail them, obviously, to everybody who's already purchased one. And if there are extras, then I will have inventory and stock. If they're not because of order minimums, maximums, et cetera, that are in the publishing world, then I will probably just do another um, pre-sale later on in the year. Nice. Yeah. That's exciting. And with the membership, um, how does that work? Can people just like come in, go out? Like what, what is the... Mm. So the way I have it set up now is it's not a membership. I don't think it'll ever be a membership actually. Um it's just one-time purchase. It's so for right now, it's just, you buy it, you're in it. When it transforms into a course, you're still in it. You know, it's, um, and I kind of love this way of working where it's like, this is what I'm doing. If you recognize like that there's something here for you and you recognize that really early, then it's going to cost less because I'm still building it, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and then like, if you recognize later when it's a full finished built out product and it's a course that you're going to buy, then it's going to cost more because obviously there's more time and energy that goes into building out a full course than there is to managing like this um, notion community and app. But um, yeah, for now, 
And I think this will actually air after the deck launches because for people who have bought before the deck launches, they're in the community and they get their deck for free. Like that's that's part of it is like you saw something in this for you, you trusted in this, you want to work in it or work with it. I'm like, I'm just going to mail you your deck whenever it comes in. Um, after this, it's going to be you buy the deck and you can <laughs> and you can become a part of the community also. Nice. Yeah. Nice, nice. Um, okay, so what other ways um, can people work with you outside of like the community? Well, I guess it's not a community or is it a community? There's a community aspect to it because in Notion, you can comment on anything, which is kind of what I love. So it's not like Facebook where you have to have a specific thread. Like you can just right click on a video and ask a question and you can, you know, tag someone using the app symbol, just like any other social media platform. So there's like little pockets of conversation going on in like different places. And so somebody might watch a video, ask a question or say like that they have this understanding about themselves through it. And I will respond or like maybe another person who's in the community is going to watch it two weeks later and be like, oh, hey, I saw the same thing or I did this. And so it's just kind of like little ongoing pieces throughout, which I love because I don't know, there's just something about engaging with something in like that sort of aspect that doesn't feel so like organized and formal (laughs) that I, that I really love. Um, But Sorry, take me back to the question here. <laughs> so I was, I was wondering, like, um, if you could share, like, with folks other ways in which they could work with you. Yes, thank you. <laughs> um, so hmm, right now it's kind of on pause, which is really interesting. And it's a bit of me, like, really putting that realm for trust into practice. So I was like, I've got to pause while I get this done you know, my, my focus really can't be split because it has been for the last two and a half years. And that's why it took two and a half years because <laughs> I was working with people and doing this. So right now I just kind of hit pause on that. And I was like, I'm not taking sessions until this is done. Um, but I think what I'm going to do actually is transition more into like a group, like very small group stuff and not really a course. I'm kind of envisioning it almost as like monthly intensives almost, or it's like for this month, I'm focusing on muscle and connection. And this is what we're going to be working with and come into the group. And whenever you're in here, I'm going to be looking at your energy. We're going to be having discussions based on what I've seen. I'm going to be teaching like just kind of this whole you probably are understanding this theme that I don't really like to compartmentalize things too much because I think we learn with the experience of like, not, I won't say everythingness, but (laughs) we learn from the connections that we create that I think come up spontaneously sometimes and that come up from other people and other people's experiences. So I'm thinking of them more as almost like little mini mastermind months where like we're really intensely working on something in this realm. And then, you know, doing another like little mastermind month, I think, you know, coming up again. But that to me feels more collaborative. It feels more community oriented. It feels more like taking care of one another than continuing to work one-on-one. It just, there's like this, hmm, 
like potentiated energy that I think expands whenever we come into groups like that, that I think is a bit more contained whenever you're just working in like a single session. And that's not to say I won't do one-on-ones ever because I, I kind of like ebb and flow with those also. I do a lot and then I like pair back and then I do a lot. (laughs) Yeah. It's the genius of working for yourself, right? Yes, it is. Absolutely. (laughs) Well, and being in a place where you can make those decisions, you know, I think is awesome. Um, all right. So are we ready to jump into the lightning round? My closeout questions. (laughs) Don't worry. You may take as much time as you need. (laughs) Um, okay. Number one, what is one habit that you can't live without? Hmm. The first thing that pops to mind is reading. I'm a huge reader all the time. I don't know if I call that a habit or a hobby, <laughs> but it's, uh, yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't know really how to, no, I've, I don't, yeah, I wouldn't know how to categorize that either. <laughs> um, number two, what does spirituality mean for you? For me, I think it's understanding, recognizing, and honoring the interconnection of everything. So for me, I think spirituality is more on like the animism spectrum than something that's kind of like out here that I have to like channel down and bring in, which just kind of, you know, fits within my, (laughs) within my own experience of like, God being in the body, you know, the spirit being in the body. I think the spirit is in everything. And so that's kind of how I walk through the world and raise my kids. And it's kind of what just drives, you know, my decision-making and purchase. I mean, it drives everything. Yeah. Awesome. What would your advice be to someone who is looking to find their purpose? To stop, <laughs> to stop looking what other people are doing. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it would have been really easy for me to ignore my purpose if I was like, no, I'm in a Reiki course. I need to finish this. I need to be certified as this, you know, instead of having that pattern interrupt moment of being like, but wait a minute, this is what I'm actually really good at and really interested in. So I think it's having those moments in your every day where like you just lose track of time and you could do it forever and you can talk about it forever, whether someone's interested or not, you know, like it just kind of comes from within you. And, um, it's not, it's not about a a job, you know, it's just about, I really think your purpose is how you meet everything. So my purpose necessarily isn't to explain the realms and and energy archaeology. Like my overarching purpose is actually to find pattern and to explain them as simply as I can. And I do it everywhere and in everything. It just so happens that like there's this like curiosity and this um, coming together with energy work that allows me to 
find pattern in the body and to find pattern in energy and to explain it in a different way and to make it accessible. But like, it doesn't just stop at this. I do it all the time. (laughs) I have friends who will like text me things and I'll be like, but have you noticed? And they're like, God, I love your pattern finding ability. (laughs) Is this in your human design? Um, I think so. I mean, part of that is being a projector, right? We're just always guiding. But I have what's called the channel of logic, which is like confusion into synthesis, which is like finding things come together. Um, It's more so in if you look at my, um, I forget what this part of it's called, but I have the right angle cross of explanation. Gene keys. So, yeah, so there's that piece of it also, but like in human design, you have like the right angle cross or left angle cross. And mine is the right angle cross of explanation, which is also lovingly dubbed the freak to genius. (laughs) Like we just find weird things, but we can, but it can actually has like a air of genius behind it. Yeah. (laughs) Got it. Yeah. I, I, I was, uh, I was thinking of, um, I was thinking it had to be aligned there somewhere. Yeah. Well, the simplicity does come in the gene keys. It's gene key 23. Mm. That's, that is technically my purpose gene key. Mm. Yeah. I haven't dove into the gene keys yet. I'm still in loving human design and learning more there. Um, I, I do it at the same time. Cause like the gates and the gene keys, like they're, they're just like, you know, different explanations of one another. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard they're, I have a couple of friends who are like, jinkies, jinkies. I'm like, just not feeling the pull yet, but I'm sure I'll yeah, get there at some no. point. <laughs> follow my energy, follow my joy. Exactly. Um, last question. It's a big one. Mm-hmm. Where can people connect with you online? <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully, that's an easy one. Um, so I have my website, which is ashleystinson.com. You can find me on Instagram at the Ashley Stinson, or you can actually find me on Insight Timer. And this is something new I'm trying out. Um, I used to have a meditation. Well, I still have a meditation community. I don't advertise it or promote it anymore, but I'm transitioning that into just being on Insight Timer and being able to serve more people in an open like giving generous way, um, then kind of keeping stuff behind a paywall. So I have two meditations up there now and that's going to continue to grow. So that's exciting. I'm totally following you on that. That's cool. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you so much for sharing your time with us, Ashley, and and coming and hanging out, talking about energy archaeology. I feel like thank you for having chat for a long time about all of these different things. <laughs> <laughs> it was a fun conversation. I mean, I can chat about this forever. It really is true, right? That thing you can't stop talking about. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a beautiful creation. And thank you so much for bringing it into this world because, um, you know, I just think it's one more way to connect with people in a different way that that is so needed right now. So thank you for that. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you. All right, folks. Thanks so much for being with us today. If you were inspired by today's interview, make sure you leave a review on iTunes and subscribe. 
Sign up for the email list to receive podcast updates and meditations. And don't forget when the world, (laughs) wow, can't believe I messed that up. (laughs) When we invest in ourselves, the world benefits. Until next week. Thank you.